Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, July 7th edition of the Basement Academy. I'm glad that you've taken a few moments out of your day. Uh, let me offer our morning psalm. This is a psalm of David, which he sang to the Lord concerning Cush, a Benjamite. And we're going to find out Cush was not a good guy. <laughs> o Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, and there is guilt on my hands, if I have done evil to him who is at peace with me or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God. Decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you. Rule over them from on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity, O Most High. O righteous God who searches minds and hearts, bring to an end the violence of the wicked, and make the righteous secure. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword, he will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons, he makes ready his flaming arrows. He who is pregnant with evil and conceives trouble gives birth to disillusionment. He who digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit he has made. The trouble he causes recoils on himself. His violence comes down on his own head. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So we don't know Cush, but he's somehow part of this uh, attack upon David. There's some violence, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. Once again, we've seen violence erupting in our nation on July 4th in a parade. God have mercy. And so we pray this psalm, uh, not just of personal enemies and struggles we have, but we pray that God would bring an end bring to an end the violence of the wicked, that swords would be beaten into plowshares. This is the picture of the, the kingdom. Okay, um, let's talk once again about the last few verses of James, uh, his little letter, chapter 5. If anyone's in trouble, uh, let him pray. If you're happy, sing. Uh, if, if you're sick, call the elders. Call the elders, let them anoint you with oil and pray. And then this interesting language, uh, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And so James is making a connection between sin and sickness, sickness and sin. If the person has sinned, they'll be forgiven. Confess your sins and you'll be healed. And so there's this, this language that, that sickness and sin can 
both be healed through our prayers in, in some way. And so I want to explore that a little bit. The, um, the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sin against God, Orthodox Christian theology insists that human culpable, uh, human sin and human culpability sit behind the misery of the world. Now, it was God's design to curse uh, the serpent, the woman, the man, pain and childbirth, um, marital strife, um, and uh, labor, uh, the fruit, you know, uh, fruitless labor, uh, sweat of the brow, thorns and thistles. And so the curse that comes in this East of Eden living. So we insist that sin, human sin, sits underneath all of it. The challenge is, is there a direct connection? Uh, when I get sick, am I culpable? Am I responsible for that sickness? If, if I'm suffering in this moment, have I done something? Is there a direct one-for-one -one correspondence between something I said or did intentionally or unintentionally, and now the illness that has come upon me. I encounter this question in lots of different ways, many times, or have encountered it many times over the years, where people ask, why? Did I do something? Am I being punished? So we, we kind of know there's a moral universe. We kind of know that there's a cause-effect world, you know? If somebody gets behind the wheel of a car, been drinking alcohol, uh, crashes and is injured or dies, you know, we see a cause-effect. There's a consequence uh, to an action. The, the, the question is, and the struggle we have in this East of Eden life is we can't always perfectly discern that. That's the story of the book of Job, right? Job, uh, righteous Job, um, is God gives measure. There's some challenge to, to this book, but God gives a, a, a freedom to Satan to, to uh, inf afflict Job, and it happens. First, he suffers uh, sorrow with the death of children and, and, and the loss of, of, of wealth and, and possessions, and then he suffers physically, covered with boils, sitting there. His wife tells him to curse God and die, and then Job's friends come and sit with him, quietly for a few days and then they begin to speak and in their speaking they speak out of a context well Job clearly you've sinned you've done something wrong because we know this is how the world works God does not afflict the godly it's only the the ungodly that that suffer as you are suffering so repent get right with God and and you'll you'll be healed okay get on with it same kind of thing happens in the New Testament book of John, uh, chapter 9, the man born blind. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born in this condition? Jesus heals him. And so there's this, this struggle. Who, who is responsible for this man's affliction? And so both Job and uh, uh, the, the John 9 story re reveal this tendency that we have to assume or deduce or connect the, the physical ailment to a spiritual condition, right? Somebody has sinned, therefore there's going to be a punishment. God's going to punish and do it, which reveals that we have a sense of an integrity or a, an integratedness or connection between our physical bodies and our spiritual. So our physical being and our spiritual being. 
God didn't make us like a container and just pour a spirit into it. We're, we're, there's an intimate connection between body and soul. And so James, I think, is speaking, is writing out of that understanding that physical illness has spiritual roots to it. The challenge is we cannot always discern a one-for-one -one correspondence. And this, this is challenging. Perhaps you've thought this yourself as you've suffered or you've known someone who suffered and they've asked you that question. It, it's, it's, it's a pretty tricky question to, to uh, answer. I, I've been confronted many times and to try to explain this. And so I'm going to try a little bit today. It might take some more tomorrow to try to unpack, I think, what, what James is, is doing here. Uh, salvation, so, so he uses the language of salvation here, okay? So when he writes um, that the prayer offered in faith, this is verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The word that we read, well, wellness, is the same word that can be translated elsewhere to be saved. In fact, that's what we read in verse 20. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him. Same word is translated save in verse 20 is translated make him well. And so salvation is not merely just saving our souls so that when we die, our bodies lay in the ground and our spirits go to heaven and we float around there in eternal bliss. That's not salvation. In fact, two, nearly two years ago to the day, I'm holding up for those who are listening, you don't see this, but I'm holding up a, a picture. I take a picture of, of the whiteboard every day, so I've got a copy of it. Tuesday, July 14th from 2020, nearly two years to the day, we were just at the front end of the pandemic, and we were talking in our Theology 201 class, salvation, what it is and what it isn't. And so we've got uh, in the Hebrew language, the, the, the verb yasha, to save. And in the New Testament, salvation in the Greek language is sozo or soteria. And both words have a very comprehensive uh, understanding to them. Salvation is not just my soul. Salvation is the rescue of the people of God. They were saved from Pharaoh's Egypt. They went through, physically walked through the Red Sea. They were out in the desert. They were moving toward the promised land. Salvation is, is rescue and deliverance. It is, is being set free from bondage. Um, it is being brought to a wide and spacious place. And so a lot of different ways, the Hebrew verb yasha. Uh, 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 is spoken in context. Salvation in the New Testament uh, has this notion of being preserved, being kept safe, being rescued and delivered, and being made well, being made whole, being cured or healed. And so this connection between body and soul. So salvation is not merely a spiritual phenomenon. It's not just forgiveness. It is being made whole. It is being restored in body and spirit, in mind, in will, in relationship, physically. So, of course, when, when God pronounced the curse, he said, Adam, if the day you eat of this, you're going to die. Well, he didn't die physically that day, right? 
but the spiritual death took place. Their eyes were open. They were ashamed. They ran away from God. They hid from each other. They covered up. They pointed the finger, started to blame, uh, you know, cast uh, others in a different light. So the relationship died, the relationship with God, the relationship between Adam and Eve. Death comes into their family as their children are born. Cain, the oldest, rise up, rises up against his brother Abel. And, and kills him, and so death physically comes. Um, and so there's a connection between the brokenness of relationship, the brokenness of sin, the rebellion of sin, that relationship we're made to live in, in, in whole connected relationship with God. And when we're not, it plays itself out. Our bodies bear witness to the reality of sin. And that's the way we're to understand this, that when we get sick, it is a reminder, oh yeah, something happened long ago that, that set things awry. Adam and Eve broke with God. They rebelled against God. They took unto themselves a prerogative to be as gods. And God afflicts part of the physical ailment is to demonstrate we are not gods. We cannot heal ourselves. We cannot physically make ourselves better, which is a reminder that we are creatures, not creators, that we are fallen creatures ourselves. So, so every illness is to be a subtle reminder that we live in a fallen world, that we live in a moral universe, and that we should seek the Lord. And so our illnesses, our trouble, our suffering becomes the primary occasion for our prayer. God afflicts us faithfully. We talked about this the other day so that we might seek him. God, heal me. God, rescue me. And that's David's prayer. Rescue me, oh God. They're chasing after me. My physical body is in danger because of these violent, wicked people. And so salvation is a comprehensive thing. It's healing and restoring in relationship. It's healing and restoring in our own, the integrity of our own mind that our emotions and our thoughts and our will would act in alignment with the purposes of God. And then it is our bodies. <laughs> our bodies are healed and restored. So resurrection is the ultimate healing that we will experience, right? So all, all physical healing that we experience in time is but temporary and provisional because should the Lord tarry, <laughs> we will die, be laid in the grave. And so our ultimate healing will be uh, in the physical resurrection. And so I think what James has got going here, sin and sickness both operate kind of the same way. The spiritual malady that plays out physically. So, our, so I'm trying to say there's not always a physical one-for-one -one correspondence, Okay. But there is a correspondence, physical malady and suffering and illness and disease has a, a, is to remind us. It, it's, 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 it's a memory device. It's, 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 it's something God has given to trigger us. Oh, yeah, we live in a world where we need God. We've broken from God. Let us seek God. So, but what sin and sickness both do is they isolate us. When we sin, we get ashamed. We see Adam and Eve running into the bushes. They, 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 they hide from each other and they hide from God. And so sin isolates, it, it, it separates, it divides, it, 
it, it, it uh, ultimately it leads to their banishment, right? They are banished from the presence of God. So their sin leads to a deep physical separation, right, from the garden, and now they live east of Eden. Sin continues to do this. We see it, you know, the child with the hand in the cookie jar, so to speak. They, they run away to their room. They're hiding from mommy and daddy because they know they've done wrong. Their conscience is grieved. We do the same thing. And so sometimes people stay away from church because they just feel guilty. I don't feel worthy to be in church. And so their own conscience is grieved. Of course, that's the whole reason you come to church, right? <laughs> because we are guilty sinners. But as sin leads to isolation and banishment, so sickness does. We see this pictured like in the leprosy. The leper in the old covenant was to be separated from. And so, because that is so contagious, the entire community could be infected. It, it, we're seeing the same thing in the pandemic. If you get the virus or suspect you've had the virus, we're telling you stay away quarantine, don't be near anybody, stay six feet away, stay a hundred feet away, put your masks on. So the same notion that sickness has an isolating quality and sometimes the community will banish the sick person, right? And so there's parallels and James is writing out of that context between the, the, the parallel between sin and, and sickness. And so the genius of what James do, does here, he says, if you're sick, call the elders and have them come and anoint you with oil. So I've got my little, this is my little vial of oil. It's just a little glass vial, screw off the lid. I've got, you know, I've got uh, olive oil in there from Wegmans, no longer from the Holy Land. A colleague of, of mine brought this, uh, took a trip to, to Israel, to the Holy Land years ago and brought it back just as a token and a reminder. And that's what I use now when I anoint people with oil and, and, and pray for them. The genius is, if you're sick, we don't want you to be isolated. We don't want you to, 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 to stay away from community. We don't want you to be banished. Call the elders of the church. Get the leaders and pastors of the church around you. Let them pray for you. You cannot anoint with oil without physically touching the person. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the only way to do it. And so I'll take the oil with my finger, my thumb, and I'll make a sign of the cross on the forehead in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and then I pray. And the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit, okay? Because we, you know, in the Old Covenant, they would anoint the priests and the prophets and the kings with, uh, with the, the, the oil, which is symbolizing the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And so, and so when you're sick, Stay connected to the community. And if you've, if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven. You're going to be prayed for because you're going to be made well. You're going to be saved. You're going to be healed. You're going to be restored because salvation is all of those things. And so James is writing out of the connection, the body-soul connection. And so he goes right from praying for the sick person with the elders anointing to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And so if you're sick, you'll be prayed for. And if you're forgiven, if, if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven and confess your sins so that you can be healed. James is writing out of the body-soul connection because salvation is comprehensive. Now, I'm going to stop here and we're going to pick up tomorrow and try to wrap up 
well, how come when I pray, I don't always see the person healed physically immediately right now? Is, is it a lack of faith on my part? And so that often arises out of this passage as well. So for today, it's understanding that salvation is not just our souls. It's body and soul. It's all of us. It's relationship and it's keeping us connected to community. And James wants that. <laughs> that, 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 that we need to stay connected in the community, both when we sin and when we get sick. We need the elders. We need the church family um, uh, around us. Tomorrow we'll address that issue of uh, having enough faith and how come we don't see people get, get uh, healed right away. Okay, let's pray now. And so, Father, thank you for the blessing that we have in Jesus Christ and, and for these scriptures that guide us. And so help us understand more fully the connection between body and soul, uh, the sickness of heart and the sickness of body, and how we thank you uh, for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by whose stripes, by whose wounds we are healed uh, in body, mind, and soul. And so may your salvation come to each of us in our homes, in our bodies, in our lives, even as we await the ultimate uh, salvation and healing in, in resurrection and in your kingdom. And so watch over us this day and hear our prayers as we make them in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord heal you and restore you in body, mind, soul, relationship. May he do it this day and forevermore. Amen.